Welcome to How to Grow Your Influence Online with me, Gordon Glanister, your host. I'm an author, filmmaker, and influencer marketing expert, and I will be bringing you some amazing guests from the Arabian region that have grown their influence online. From well-known influencers, entrepreneurs, journalists, and well-known brands, all will have a unique perspective on how they have grown their influence. Our shows are made in partnership with Pod One and our friends at One Digital Entertainment, Arabian's leading entertainment and content creation platform, and it's published every two weeks on a Wednesday. But before I introduce you to my special guest today, don't forget to subscribe to this channel just to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. And if you liked it too, please do give us a review because it makes a big difference. Grow your influence online with Gordon Glenister. So welcome to another edition of Growing Your Influence Online. Uh, and I'm really excited to have a lovely, lovely guest with me today. And that is Naomi D'Souza. And she's a content creator. In fact, she told me when we had a chat before that she's lived here for 28 years in Dubai. That's right, isn't it? 28 years. Yes, exactly. It's been really long. <laughs> wow, wow. And do you know what? I've only been to Dubai once, which was at the uh, 1 billion just uh, once, summit. I can't believe yeah. that. It's going to change. I'll tell you, I loved it so much. So uh, we're going to come. Must change. I'm going to come back uh, uh, quite a lot. So uh, so watch this space. Um, but we're going to talk now. You've been an influencer content creator for six to seven years. And there's pretty much nothing that you haven't seen, uh, good and bad. So I thought it'd be really interesting to for our viewers and listeners to talk about you know, what makes a great brand partnership? What are the sorts of things that you've experienced over the years um, that have been great in terms of the way that people have reached out to you? And which are the things that really you think, really, is this, is this the way that you're communicating with us? Um, so that's really what the premise of, of today's show is about. Yeah. But before we get into that, perhaps just give our, uh, everybody a bit of a backstory before, because I know you work for IBM and publicists, you've had a really glittering sort of career before you decided to break into content creation so tell me a little bit about um how you started out um so it started off many years ago when I was in college I was studying mechanical engineering and I also did my master's in uh, energy and under oil and gas and coincidentally I started blogging I was posting cookies and cakes in a similar fashion how you know people would probably share their vacation pictures online and just by doing that it kind of gained momentum people came to know there's this crazy dessert lady in town who always wants to eat uh, dessert and I remember I even got my driving license at that time so I I was full spirited going out everywhere having my desserts trying out you know the newest things um, in Dubai and then I think while doing that, I had my career as well. So I was a mechanical engineer for a year and then I moved to IBM. There was a role available as a digital strategy consultant. I applied and again, in the background, the blogging thing was going on, after which I worked at IBM for about two, three years. And then there was an opportunity that came up at Publicis Sapien, that's under Publicis Group. And I took that up. Um, again, the blogging was going on. It was getting kicked off. I got invited to um, 
three TED Talks. So, yes, so that's how, yeah, so that's how I even got into um, TED speaking. Uh, there were a couple of panels, got invited to a couple of podcasts as well. So it was kind of like, I feel my experience was getting multiplied. I was in engineering and tech and then simultaneously this media stuff was also going on in the background. And I mean, yeah, the rest is history, right? Uh, automatically kicked off, COVID kicked in and I decided, I took the plunge that, okay, let me do this for good. Let me start my own business and help brands with all the knowledge that I've kind of garnered from Fortune 500 companies, including media. And yeah, that's that. Amazing. Lovely to hear. And so um, what was your first brand partnership? Can you remember? Um, It was it was a barter. So at that when I just started off, I didn't know you could get paid at all. I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. <laughs> so I got invited I by Moven Pick that's located in JBR. I still remember it was a Christmas tree lighting ceremony. So it was around December. And uh, yeah, I just got invited for that. And again, I didn't expect anything in return because I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know I could get paid. So so yeah, that was my first gig of sorts. Didn't really get paid, but had a couple of um, other tastings that I got invited to that were very similar. And then eventually I was like, okay, why, sh why shouldn't I charge? And um, and then I my first thing was I think I charged an ice cream shop. It was a random ice cream store. I don't even know if it exists in Dubai right now. <laughs> and I charged them like hundred dirhams, if I'm not mistaken. It was a very small fee. Uh, again, hundred was huge for me at that time. Again, I was just a college student. Mm. Um, sorry, you know, just my first job and everything. I was like, whoa, this is exciting. And yeah, that was my first thing. Wow. Do you think sometimes uh, creators that are new into the space have a similar view to you and think as a, there's, there's two sides to this story, by the way, yeah. sometimes there is there are people that think, oh, well, I'm just grateful to get something for free. Um, or if I put uh, a, a charge out, what should that be? Because they, obviously there are now industry yeah. rates published. But in those mm. years ago, it wasn't. It was potentially people didn't feel the confidence in being able to put a charge in. And then there are others that are self-entitled and just go at the other end of the <laughs> spectrum and think, yeah, yeah it's going to cost you, uh, you know, $5,000 for one photo shoot or something, uh, which is all relative, of course, to their follower and engagement rate. Yeah. Um, but so that's, so that's interesting. You, you, you started out and, and, and to talk to us a bit about how uh, these brands, how do they find you? Are you, pitching to them or are they uh, finding you through your content and if so what are you doing to attract them I think it's a bit of everything so in terms of specific campaigns where I need to get paid I have never pitched a brand I have never told them hey this is what I can do for you and these are my rates and basically pay up right I mean I've never done that before uh, but what I have done is if, for example, in the F&B space, if there's a restaurant that I really want to try and cover, um, it, in the days where I just started off, it doesn't really happen as much right now. It's very, very, very rare unless, you know, I really want to go to that place. 
um, and, and I do want to do a barter and I do think they would benefit from my coverage as well. But back then when I when I just started off, it was very common for bloggers, at least in this region, to kind of approach so-and-so brand and let them know that you are willing to give them this in return for, um, you know, X, Y, Z. But yeah, it, it was a bit in the beginning, but but yeah, not anymore. But but in terms of paid campaigns, brands just find me. And I think it also comes through word of mouth. So say, for example, I have a really good working relationship with a PR agency, any other brand that signs up with them. If they had a great relationship with me, they're bound to, you know, pitch me in again. So that is another way I personally think I'm found. Well, I think as well, um, and with my own experience of working with influencers, if you do what you say you're going to do, you follow up on emails promptly yeah. or, or WhatsApp messages. Um, you go to the venue when you say you're going to do and you deliver the photographs in a high quality or videos in a high quality way. Then, you know, why would somebody not want to work with you again? You know, those are the, yes. unfortunately, uh, you know, some venues uh, in this particular area maybe. Uh, may have had a bad experience with somebody that said all those things and didn't actually nothing uh, came of it and that happens all the time yeah I can imagine I can imagine so you know for somebody that's a professional now that really knows her craft how do you cut through that um, expertise and present yourself in a way that people feel comfortable with what you're doing and, and and the likely results I think the first thing that I do is, and I think I think this dominantly comes from my consultancy experience, how they want everything documented and they're super nitpicky about stuff. I think I think on the onset of a campaign or a collaboration, I am I document every single thing. Um, to the point where I tell them, okay, this part is going to be a voiceover and what the voiceover will be, like quote verbatim. Um, it's it's also, I'm, I'm also going to say how many seconds the reels are going to be because because quite often that's where the, the miscommunication arises, where, for example, they commit to a video, but you don't know if the influencer is going to give a 10 second video or a 90 second video because reels go up to, you know, one, like 60 plus seconds right now. So the thing is, I get every single thing documented from the storyboard, even to the frames, like, okay, I'm going to be entering, the camera is going to be at the backside, you know, or it's going wow, to be a side. I go, yes, I go to that detail because the thing is, I have gone through so much back and forth with, um, with brands and it has been manic it's been like torture because if you don't do it right you have to go again and you want to and you have to reshoot I don't want to go through that traffic the parking logistics getting my videographer in you know all of that so I literally go like super super detailed that okay this is going to be the first frame this is going to be the second frame and then when this happens the text is going to be at the bottom this is what the text is going to say on the 10th second I'm super detailed and then once the client approves that is when I will go and shoot so even even if they don't like it for example I still have documentation that it was approved and I did exactly as is now if I made a mistake in my script of course, I will go and reshoot. But if everything is, you know, super detailed, I mean, that shouldn't be an issue. Which is amazing. And it's really good to hear that. Um, and I think that in itself is a lesson for other brands and content creators to go through that process, because it is quite a lot of back and forth, isn't it, between, between the two sides. And of that 
would avoid a lot of it. The other thing that amazes me is things like pronunciation. So if you've got a, an yes. unusual name and 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 you it's the first time you've seen that venue or that type of food or something you might pronounce it in a completely different way and if nobody's told you that is that for example the, the best example is it is it nike or nike is it adidas yes. or adidas you know yeah. you, you know it in your own way but actually if the brand has got a certain manner of saying um the um uh, the terminology you've got to get that right haven't you so uh yeah yeah it's like a tomato tomato situation it right <laughs> potato potato <laughs> so tell us about some of the campaigns that you've worked that have been really good and exciting for you to work with uh so i think the best campaigns i mean always if i have to encapsulate it are the ones that give me creative freedom Right. I think that's the most important thing, because it is quite ironic if a brand comes to an influencer and they say, um, we want this campaign to be super organic. And then all their ideas are inorganic and they don't listen to you. Exactly. So I have had some really good brands where, you know, they've given me the whole creative freedom. Of course, a brief is there. I think every client does have a brief extent but it shouldn't be so again nitpicky where you know you don't have the freedom to do anything else the independence rather so um so say so yeah, i think those have been some of the most successful ones even for example um i think where the product is good on its own because sometimes what happens is say for example it's a restaurant and i truly do love the restaurant i've tried the food you know and um and i'm and i'm happy to work with them but at times i try another dish and i hate it right so the thing is it's really hard to promote a brand that that you thought was good or you think will be good right mm. because sometimes a cake is just or a car is just a car but you know only once you actually experience it that's when it's difficult so I but I think again I have learned from that I've learned from that experience and I'm happy to always ask questions in advance but I think yeah sorry I derailed quite a bit but yeah to <laughs> answer your question I think the best campaigns are always where I have creative freedom freedom where I know what I want to do and they allow me to do it and even if I want to um, like production if I have the creative freedom even to produce it how I want it to be produced because sometimes even for that you know they're very nitpicky about that yeah yeah so what about a new restaurant opening that's a classic example to have or a new menu or something like that that would be a very good example to be yeah. to bring in maybe a bunch of, of of foodies or content creators um has there have there been anything and dubai has always got exciting things going on that have been yeah wow that that was really fun and exciting that you could tell us about for a brand thinking about as perhaps has never used food critics or influencers before they're about to open a restaurant in a few months time what would you suggest what would i suggest for a successful and great opening yes so um so I've been to a couple of, um, I mean, multiple restaurant openings, actually, and they've been quite wonderful. And one trend that I have noticed is um, before they're opening, probably a few weeks before, they do send a really nice press kit. And the press kit is quite personalized. So, you know, my name would be there or it, if it's a handwritten letter, even better. Um, and obviously, depending on the restaurant, for example, I got invited to a Greek restaurant and I got a mini olive tree. 
and it was like my own personal olive tree that was so cute and then um one of them I got like a hair brand they gave me a comb and my name was engraved in the wooden comb oh wow Lovely. it was it was stunning and then there are some invites where you know it's like a digital screen so you kind of open it and you can see something playing it's kind of like those um those reusable uh, screens not not like an ipad of sorts and i think once i did get a press kit and i got my own uh, airpods I'm so that so, so that was pretty cool so i think the first thing is like the prequel so mm. you kind of so, so you kind of gauge the influence because they'll obviously post about it right and then it also yeah. intrigues the the audience like who, all the influencers who are posting about it and it reaches x thousands of people and then after that you will want to go to the restaurant mm -hmm. and then uh, the restaurant i think the restaurant invites kind of usually divided into two sometimes it's a chef's table or sometimes it's just a la carte where you know you can come table for two or table for four and then you can experience it yourself obviously at the restaurant again it is it's quite bespoke you can have your name on the table and then they make a special menu curated just for you and then obviously obviously the hospitality the service things like that and again it, it would be a very great experience after that sometimes they give you a keepsake like a memento oh like a goodie bag yeah it can be a bag bag or like an actual memento like or um or or an actual pastry for example so mm. i once went to an indian restaurant and it was lovely and at the end they gave us a dessert to take home yeah. and once they gave us salts like you know salts like indian salts to kind of take home so in a way so you can share with your friends or your family or yes. stuff like that it's great which is more content of course isn't it <laughs> exactly exactly so the more the merrier or you know a voucher at the end of it saying that if you want please come again and you can get i don't know 20 percent, 50 percent off nice. you know so, so i think that end-to-end -end experience um is quite nice yeah. when you get invited to a restaurant and in terms of your content what do you think has worked well with your audience i mean video obviously i would yeah. have thought because yeah. of the nature of it but maybe instagram carousels are you do you find tiktok or instagram better for for, I, for engagement i'm a millennial so i'm i'm still uh, i still do have a huge inclination towards reels although reels, all the tiktok sometimes is good and brands do ask for it i'm not i'm not that comfortable uh, using it although i can get my way around it and again i just don't think the algorithm is for me because it's more on trends 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 but if i have to share like an experience it doesn't always work well for me mm -hmm. so i think that would be reels but uh, but when i go to a restaurant i kind of gauge how the ambiences how the hospitality is how the plating is and then i kind of decide whether i should give them a reel a static post or a carousel mm -hmm. so it, it's all dependent on that like say for example um like in dubai they kind of gold plate stuff or you know there's liquid nitrogen or they kind yes, of exactly the soup in it's front the whole, of you there's a whole experiential thing going exactly on. exactly or they or they deconstruct or construct a cheesecake on your table those sorts of things so if it's dynamic in nature that would obviously call for a reel but if it's just you know simple dishes like for example some indian restaurants they'll just present some um indian dishes you you know in those matkas if it's just very static and no fluidity that would kind of just be you know a static post and again if there's a variety that would convert to a carousel post yeah 
both yeah, what, kind what, of get both. No, that's interesting. Yeah. One of the other things that, of course, is very important with content is emotion. And yeah. anything that helps perhaps build a story. Yes. Uh, and whether or not that's with music, because, of course, if you're going to a restaurant and you're adding music that's linked to the culture of the country, that can evoke some emotion or something that's building up um to when you're going in and i've seen some really good slow motion stuff where where people are coming coming in to see something or they're just about to put something in yes yes and it's it's that sort of thought which can of course add quite a lot to the whole because now nowadays with it is quite difficult i would say though because the thing is right you don't know what you're signing up for until you're at the restaurant of course you know what i mean like you don't know what they're going to present you because especially if it's a new restaurant where do you look you don't know what's being presented obviously in hindsight if the restaurant's already open and you're visiting it you know what to do and you could probably think of something that you know these oh this is a great audio I could use for um, next week but while you're there depending on the serving style like for example even the Michelin restaurant they kind of serve the food together like you know they're like four people they serve it on your table together like you know those kind of things to kind of show that to the audience so sometimes it's quite difficult to be creative all the time especially at restaurants and it's kind of like the more they show is the more we can show and capture yeah yeah that's great now you've talked about some amazing interactions particularly with PR agencies that have really thought about engaging creators before during and even as a memento Uh, unfortunately not everybody's like that and there are some people that just think that DMing everybody and anybody you know it's almost so if we if we throw enough at the wall some of it will stick so talk to us about some (laughs) of the things that that annoy you uh that is really bad practice that should be avoided oh my god there's so many (laughs) let's go let's tell them because you know gordon i think i think good is good you know i mean like oh excellent but like bad is like you get shocked at the varieties of bad that exist, you know, like how, how, like, could it get worse? (laughs) Um, Tell me, tell me about some some horror stories. (laughs) So I got invited to an event once, and this was from a PR, very surprisingly, and they invited a couple of food bloggers. This was about four to five years ago, actually. And um, they, it was kind of like a chef's table and they're like, here's some curry and naan. And they're saying it's a buttered chicken, but there's no chicken in it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, I thought of that as well. And we're all just looking at each other. And we were like, this is next level of disrespect. And we're like, how is it buttered chicken without perhaps it, chicken? Perhaps, right? perhaps it's called hide and seek chicken. You've got to find it. Like, I don't know what it is. And no plates. Like, we were about six, seven of us. No plates, nothing. They expected us that there was one big bowl of butter. I can't say butter chicken. And then there was some naan. And they were like, oh, you can try it like that. That was one. And I... and. That was one of the worst experiences um, and no one's kind of been able to uh, beat that. But uh, in terms of coverage, in terms of coverage and campaigns, like b- before before deciding, obviously, you know, that we've gone ahead and we've visited the restaurant or or for a specific brand, there have been there have been many, many people who have asked for things like um, Zomato Review, Google, Google Review, TripAdvisor, a post every month, stories every week. And all they want to give is a 200 dirham voucher or free sushi. 
that as well has been pretty bad. So they've, um, got, they've got no sense of value or uh, understanding about, about what the market rated for a qualified professional nothing and they didn't even say hello naomi they just said hello and got straight to the point mm. you know, you, like, like which which is quite disgusting and and that sometimes makes me think like there are so many like people hate on influencers for asking for free shit sometimes in their yeah. own language but they don't really see how the brands treat the content creator and um then another example is um where one brand, uh, again, this was a paid partnership. I asked them before going ahead, you know, do I have creative freedom? And they were more than happy to do that. But I have noticed it always changes after you sign the contract. I always, because it was a big brand and I do like the brand. I've worked with them before, but I think their management changed. Um, it was extremely difficult to work with them because they were being so nitpicky from the real music that you choose. They were they were letting they were telling us what should the volume be like to, to that decimal. Right. The, what, what should the volume be and where should the text be positioned for? Like I'm showing something in the middle of the screen and they want the text to be right in the middle. So it's kind of like like how do you even explain that? No, you can't just put text bang at the center, mm. you know? So those kind of things, it was extremely difficult and they wanted me to do absolutely tacky stuff. So that as well was extremely difficult. And then I think another thing that I hate with um, with uh, this whole negotiation pitch phase is that they say, oh, but this influencer charges this much. Why do you charge this much? You know, and so many times I have just wanted to tell them that, hey, you have this job. I'm pretty sure this other person has a lesser salary. Why don't you go and do that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure they would be offended by that. Um, but yeah, I think these are these are some of them. But but especially the the second example that I gave where, you know, they want an arm and a leg and your kidney and they won't give you anything in return. I think that is something that has always been recurring. But isn't that also an issue for, for around education, around, um, you know, the, and also the media sometimes hasn't helped with the sense that all these, these big influencers, they get so well paid. Uh, and yet some do, and some exactly. unfortunately spoil it for the rest. But the vast majority are uh, those that are professional content creators do, do amazing work at bringing bringing brands to life through unique storytelling, don't they? You know. 100%. I do think, um, and I think I mentioned this to you, you know, earlier, like before, before our chat now, where I mentioned that every industry has bad and good, right? There are some really shitty doctors who give you the worst diagnosis. People end up dying as well. There are some terrible engineers. There are some buildings that are not earthquake proof. And you know what they say it is. I feel every industry has bad and good, but I don't think people are willing to accept the same in the content creation sphere. So if they have a bad experience with one person, they think everyone else is bad. And I think the other thing that happens is is sometimes say for example a brand disrespects me and I stand up for myself unfortunately that brand also will go around telling other people that Naomi is disrespectful mm -hmm. but you know no one no one really knows the entire story I've mm -hmm. noticed that a lot as well because they ask you for your arm and leg and when you want to put your foot down and say no 
they also kind of take it as disrespect. So I feel there is not enough knowledge and education on how content creation in general works. Right, absolutely. And and also, it's not like um, uh, just turning up and taking a few pictures and then posting it. It's about <clears throat> storyboarding it, as you've said, mood boarding in a way, about what exactly you're going to do and why you're going to do it. Making sure that you're using the right hashtags uh, where relevant, particularly if the, if the brand has got a themed one. And, you know, when you've got this specialist niche, you've done it countless times before. So why don't they leave you uh, for your own expertise? Because actually, uh, success is mutual. Failure is mutual. You know, if the if it fails Absolutely. for you, it fails for them. If it Absolutely. succeeds for you, you, you know, you have a vested interest in making the collaboration work, don't you? Um, but, but you know they don't listen surprisingly that same brand that I told you where you know they wanted to dictate what's the volume what's the where's the, the text and all of that that same brand I did tell them listen this is not going to do well and they said it's okay we know we want it to be like this we want it to be um, super advertorial and those same people told me pre-signing of the contract that you have creative freedom yeah well okay so it's, <laughs> it, it baffles me it baffles yeah, me indeed, indeed. so future then what's 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 the, the exciting things on the agenda uh anything new that any new uh ideas and projects that you're planning yeah of course i think i think with um with instagram especially and with social media even if you don't want to improvise and change it kind of forces you to uh, so I think when I first started off it was all like exactly what I'm doing where I'm going um, you, you know different types of stuff I'm doing uh, exploring the city but I feel now content has kind of moved towards more um, personalized content you know, where you're talking about your experiences in general, about life, about obstacles, about memes, funny stuff, relatable stuff. So, so you know, that is something that is that is in my future plan, uh, because I have noticed that if like when I post the same type of content that I did post when I started off, it doesn't actually work well anymore for me for some reason but when I post about real life stuff things that I'm going through life experiences corporate issues racism you know feminism anything and anything along those lines it always works so much better so that is kind of my intention here on obviously to share a lot of my dining out moments but also a lot of uh, personalized content Right. Well, such a lovely pleasure to see you here Likewise. and, uh, and uh, sharing your story. Uh, so thanks again, uh, Naomi. Oh, by the way, how can people find out about you um, before we before we go? My Instagram handle is Naomi underscore D'Souza. That is N-A-O-M-I underscore D-S-O-U-Z-A. Great. Lovely. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for another edition of the show. And if you want to head over to my Instagram, then please do. It's called Doc Lannister, or you can leave a review uh, as it makes a big difference to us. So until next time, from me, Gordon Lannister, it's bye for now. You are listening to Grow Your Influence Online with Gordon Lannister, a Pod One production.